0: Good morning, church. If you will find your seat. All right. Man, it's good to be with you all today. Uh, Man, we're getting fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller. That's exciting. Yeah, so awesome. Well, glad you're here. If I haven't had the privilege to meet you yet, my name is Jeremy uh, West, and I currently serve as the missions pastor here at the church Um, until... Very soon, we are being sent out, me and my family, to plant a Church. Yeah! Yeah. Antioch Lake Cities in the Garland, kind of Rowlett, basically around the lakes. So there you have it. Um, So it's good to be with you today. Uh, Man, just excited. I love meeting with the people of God to worship God. I was driving this morning, I'm listening to worship music, I'm praying for the service, and I look up and I'm like speeding. (laughs) on Beltline Road. I'm so excited just to share uh, with with you guys what God uh, is speaking today. And I wanna extend a welcome to all of our guests here in the room, but also those worshiping with us online. Why don't we do this? All of us that are in the room, why don't we tell the people that are worshiping with us online how much we love them? Can we do that? Okay, so maybe we get, like on the count of three, we can all just shout, we love you. It'll get picked up through my mic, I believe, if you shout loud enough. Ready? One, two, three. We love you. Okay, all right, and if you're, if you're worshiping with us online, you can text text somebody in the room that you love them, all right? If you're a single college student or young adult, this is not your opportunity to text your church crush that you love them. All right, don't go there. That's not what I'm talking about. All right, if you're new or, or you've missed recently, we're in the middle of a series called Sons and Daughters uh, from the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And our main goal, the main goal of this series is to... It is to help us as individuals, uh, as followers of Jesus, as a church, as a church family, uh, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. You probably saw the signs as you're walking in, hanging uh, in the lobby, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. What are we talking about when we say to be renewed? It's kind of a, a spiritual language for really saying that we are wanting to be realigned. We are wanting to be centered. We are wanting to be realigned with God's Truth about our identity, about our purpose, about His call for us as a family, as a people—we want to be aligned, all right, so that we don't veer off course. Now, uh, alignment—if you drive a car, you know what I'm talking about. If you drive an old car, you really know what I'm talking about, because alignment uh, is is something that happens with our cars, or we need realignment. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I drive a 2001. Toyota Sienna, okay, it's a man van, and uh, my steering wheel is like this, right, when I'm driving straight, okay, and then I turn it straight, and I go to the right, and if I let go, it veers to the left, my car needs alignment, maybe your car has been there, Uh, anybody ever had that situation before, okay, all right, all right, I'm not the only one, okay, good, so, what, what, you know, what, what is this all about? What, what, why do cars need realignment? You know, cars are, like humans, notorious for getting out of line. But what causes this uh, coming out of uh, alignment? Ironically, ironically, it's the same thing in cars as it is with us as people. Things that cause us to come out of alignment with God's truth and vision for our life. You want to know what it is? Time and crisis. Time and crisis, okay? Your car has a little bit of time, it just drives down the road, all right? Drives down the road, the wear and tear of daily life on your car, on your soul, causes it slowly to come out of alignment. But then you add in crisis, relational speed bumps, right? Financial curb check, Pandemic pothole, (laughs) sharp turns of careers and circumstances, medical trauma, fender bender, or maybe the most devastating of all, a head-on collision of sin in our life. And all this, the next thing you know, you're misaligned, out of alignment, veering off course from what God would have us, and we need realignment. Okay, now, spiritually speaking, we're in need of being renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's what we're talking about. Now, this tip about car realignment, if your steering wheel is like that, okay, that's free. You need to go get it realigned. It's going to cost you, okay? I'm going to tell you that. But the spiritual realignment that we're talking about this morning, it's been paid for. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to work for it. You just got to receive it by faith. All right. So now this morning, we're going to continue. I'm super excited. We're going to continue this journey of being renewed, being realigned in the spirit of our minds. And I couldn't think of a better way to dive in uh, to this topic than with an epic experiment with kids and marshmallows. So take a look. Oh, the tension and the agony on their faces, and I saw that same tension and agony on some of the kids' faces in this room. Uh, Okay, so kids, just so you know, all right, after the service, pay attention. You can go to the kids' table. And after the service, you can share with Ms. Macy what is one thing you learned. And guess what she's going to have for you? A marshmallow or maybe two. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that the agony. They were told that there is more. There is another marshmallow waiting for them if they could just not settle for one. If they could just not settle. There's more. Don't settle. There's more. But the tension, right? I mean, I love it. The boy's kissing the marshmallow. They're smelling it. They're pinching it. That You know, it's just like, ah, I want, I want it now. Okay, here's a question. Who demonstrated the greater desire for marshmallows? The child who just ate one immediately or the one who didn't settle for just one marshmallow? I'm gonna argue that the greater desire was demonstrated by the child who didn't settle. His desire for, for that marshmallow caused him not to settle and persevere through whatever he needed to to get that second marshmallow. Now, likely, uh, you have never been a part of a marshmallow test. Maybe you have. Some of you are thinking, that would be a good idea to do with my kids sometime. I uh, would do a, some sort of lesson there, okay? But we've all been... Been tested. We've all been tried in another way that has far greater ramifications, more important. And whether you're, you know, white, black, yellow, uh, female, male, single, married, whether you're a part of this church, whether you're a guest today, whether this is your first time, whether you are a Christian or you're not a Christian, no matter how you voted uh, this last year or how your March Madness bracket is doing. Okay, mine's doing terrible. No matter, we all have this in common. We all have this in common. Because of time gone by, because of crisis in our life, because of that, because of the daily life that we face and the crisis and the unique circumstances that everyone has in this room and and watching online, our thinking can become severely misaligned. And here it is. Where we are tempted to settle for less than all Jesus died for us to have and walk in. I'm going to say it again. That we are tempted to settle for less than all Jesus died for us to have and walk in. Let me say it another way. Because of time, because of crisis, because of sin and, and just the world we live in, we are tempted To be okay, we're tempted to be okay with the slow eroding of our desire for pleasure and joy and glory and exhilaration and satisfaction in Jesus Christ. We're tempted to be okay with the slow eroding of desire for what is supremely valuable and beautiful we're tempted to settle for less than what God has for our marriage We're tempted to settle for less than what God has for our family and our family life and our children. We're tempted to settle for less than what God has for us in our relationship with Him, in our fellowship with Him, in our communion with Him, in our walk with Him. We're tempted to settle for less than what God has for our church. We're tempted to settle for less than what God has for our life group, for our neighborhood, for our school, for our workplace, for our career, for His glory. We're tempted to settle for less. Tempted to settle for less. And the list goes on. And friends, God sent me this morning to plead with you. He sent me on a mission this morning to plead with you to not settle for less than all Jesus died for you to have and for you to walk in. Oh, C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, famous author. Uh, theologian philosopher he said it this way and this is a lengthy quote from his book the weight of glory and I want to read it to you indeed if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Friends, there is more in God. There is more in God. Let's not settle for less. And this is exactly what I believe the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate to the church in Ephesus, what he's trying to impart to them, to the church in Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. Because like us, they lived in an environment and in a culture that made it incredibly easy to settle for lesser things. It made it incredibly easy to settle for lesser things. Knowing this temptation, right? Knowing this temptation that, that they would face, that they did face, and that all Christians throughout all time would face. In the future, Paul, he wrote this prayer. He wrote this prayer. He copied and pasted from his prayer journal into a letter that he's gonna send to these believers in Ephesus. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he writes out this radical prayer with a radical declaration at the end of his prayer. Now, Pastor Johnny last week just did an awesome job walking us through this first, the first part of this prayer in Ephesians chapter three. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna dive uh, back into it, but the gist of it is Paul is praying for these people. For these people and he's praying for you and this is a prayer that I share for you and all of our pastors and probably your life group leader and people that love you pray this for you I actually have this prayer framed on my wall in my office because it's so critical and and this is what he's praying that they would have strength and power by the Holy Spirit in their inner being why so that they could be able to comprehend together with all of God's people uh, to be able to experience, to be able to be rooted in, to know, to be filled with the immeasurable love and fullness of God, and after making this this radical petition and request to God, Paul makes a Holy Spirit fire lit radical declaration that is intended to renew and align our hearts and minds with truth, and here it is. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, turn to your neighbor and say immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, and we can all say amen. Now, it helps me in thinking about this verse uh, to use a fill in the blank, to fill in the blank with that first line. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more in Jesus, yes, to do immeasurably more in my marriage to do immeasurably more in my family, to do immeasurably more in this church, to do immeasurably more in my life group, to do immeasurably more in my ministry, to do immeasurably more in my neighborhood, to do immeasurably more in my school, to do immeasurably more in this nation, to do immeasurably more in the world, to do immeasurably more through me and in me and with me, to do immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine. What is he saying? What is the point of this declaration? It's don't settle. There is more. God has more. He's the infinite God, if you have forgotten. Jesus never peaks. As one of my college students, back in the day, he used to say that all the time. He was like, Pastor Jeremy, Jesus never peaks. I'm like, chest bump me right now. That is so true. Jesus never peaks. There's more. That's why he prays earlier. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth. You need strength to even go there. You need his strength to even try to explore it. Because he's the infinite God, he has more. Maybe you've walked with God your whole life. You've read the Bible cover to cover many times. You're a leader at the church. Maybe you know a lot. God has more. He has more. He has categories of his glory and of his goodness and of his power and of his nature and of his love and his wisdom and his strength and his mercy that you and I have not tapped into yet, that we have not seen yet, that we have not imagined yet. He has categories of soul-satisfying pleasure and joy and freedom in life that we have only begun to catch a glimpse of. Don't settle. Now, it's time, church. It's time, and, and this is what we're doing this morning. is fanning into flame desire, fanning into flame hunger. And I want you to stir up your imagination this morning, the scriptures with Tell us for what God would do. I was discussing this verse this week with some of my friends. We were texting back and forth uh, to get their thoughts and their in- insights. And I was like, I was so inspired just hearing people share, oh man, this is, you know, this is the question that I have or this is the insight that I have. I heard uh, from several, but two of my spiritual mothers, Nancy Eisenberg and Angela West, and Angela's actually my birth mother and my spiritual mother, Okay. <laughs> shared that next to this verse in their Bible is written the names in the margin of their children and their children's spouses and their grandchildren. And for literally over 30 years, this has been their contending anthem prayer before the Lord. God, do more. In my children and in their spouses and in my grandchildren, when they didn't even have names, do more than I could ask or imagine. And they testify that they've seen the faithfulness of God as he has blown their mind and done more than they could ask for or imagine through their prayers for their families. Another friend of mine, uh, friends of mine, Tim and Brenda, who are here, they're, they're the ones serving you coffee this morning, all right, Tim and Brenda shared with me recently that God had rekindled a dream in their hearts to be a part of a church plant. See, decades ago, they had prayed and they had just asked God, like, God, we would love someday to be a part of a church plant. To help plant a church. That would just be the coolest dream. We'll do anything. We don't need to be front and center. We just want to be a part. And time and crisis and life had just kind of gone on, and and that dream had not been fulfilled yet. And it caused it even to fade. And God's providence. Uh, Tim and Brenda's grandson, Colin, was put on my T ball team. And we began to be, have a relationship, and he was a coach with me. And through that relationship, they started coming to Antioch. And recently, when we announced that we're going to plant a church in Lake Cities, which is the, the area in which they live, they said, Our minds were blown. This is better than we could have asked for or imagined. And I was talking with Brenda this morning. She said, during the night, she said, I got goosebumps. And it was the Lord saying, this is it. I've heard you. God wants to do more than you could ask or imagine. Friends, let's not settle for less than God has. But you might be asking yourself this morning, okay, how? (laughs) Those are the questions I always ask. How and why? How and why does God want to do more than I could ask? Or imagine. And the, and the question to how is in the next verse here. How could God do, uh, how does God do more than I could ask or imagine? It's in verse 20. It says, according to your power within you. Wrong. <laughs> no. According to his power at work within you. What is his power at work? within us. It's not our power. Some of you get overwhelmed by the thought of, oh, more than I can imagine, oh, I gotta do something, it's up to me. Just chill out. (laughs) It's up to him. It's his power at work within us. His power is the Holy Spirit. Anybody love the Holy Spirit? He's God. When you say, I love God, you're saying, I love the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16. If you have your Bible there, Look up at verse 16 in his prayer. He's praying that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man, in your inner being. We need the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, friends, the Holy Spirit is in your inner being. The scriptures make that abundantly clear. But for many of us, myself included, at times, the Holy Spirit is left dormant inside our inner man like coals under the ashes of a former fire. It's like dynamite waiting to be lit by faith. And we must... Respond. See, the spirit is working. He's calling, He's leading, he's speaking, He's nudging, but often we, I don't respond. Why is this? Why do we settle? Why do we hold back? And Jesus spoke about this to his disciples, because he knew we'd all face it. and he spoke in the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. In the story, the master gave gifts called talents to his workers in varying amounts. And when he returned, he, he called these workers into the office and he said, all right, guys, what's happened since I've been gone? And the first worker came forward and he put the talents on the table and he had used the talent that had been given to him, the gift that had been given him, and it had multiplied. And then the second one came forward and the same thing. The third one came forward and listened to what he said. Matthew 25, verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. Do you see it? This man believed that his master was hard, was stern, and was a harsh man. And his fear of failure and rejection led him to bury the gift that had been given to him rather than invest it. Sadly, this is one of the lies I've believed and I'm, I'm not alone in the room about God that causes me, us, to so easily settle for less than what God has for us to walk in. Please hear me and let me say it very clearly. Our God, our Father in heaven, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ He is not mostly mad, mostly sad, or cold, or gloomy, or disappointed, or angry, or harsh. Yes, he hates sin because it destroys life. But he loves you. He loves you. Look at these scriptures that we're reading in Ephesians. He's rich in mercy. He's full of grace. His love is high, wide, deep. Far, long. He wants to fill you with his fullness. He wants to do more than you could ask or imagine. He wants to bless you. There is more. There is more. There is more. He's way better than you and I think or imagine. Amen. If someone in the room is having the spirit of their mind renewed, say amen. amen. I just want to command in the name of Jesus. That this narrative of lies about the Father God being hard and cold and mean and grumpy to be gone in Jesus' name. So getting aligned here with God's truth and goodness, we have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of us. What do we, what do, we do? How do we participate? How do we play ball? And here's the profound truth. Put your thinking cap on. I know it's still before noon. God can't do more than you ask or imagine if you don't ask or imagine. God can't do more than you could ask or imagine if you don't ask or imagine. We must, our part in this is to activate the Holy Spirit power in our inner man by faith. By faith. And faith is activated by action and asking. See, there are things that God wants to do in you and through you that he won't do until you take a step of faith. I'm gonna say it again. There are things that God wants to do in you and through you that he won't do until you take a step of faith. And this is what this, we see in the scriptures over and over and over. Here are a few examples. Ephesians 1, 19. Paul's praying that, that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Believe. 2 Thessalonians 2, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may fulfill every work of faith. By his power so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And even Jesus Christ himself looked his disciples in the eye and said something to them that he knew they were going to have a really hard time believing. And when we read it, you might have a hard time believing, but you need to believe it because God said it. And he wants to do it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father And later he finishes that thought, saying, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. The power of the Holy Spirit is within us who believe. We must activate by faith. Matthew 13, uh, 58. I don't have this one on the screen because it came to me this morning. It says this, Jesus in his hometown did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. We must activate by faith. Heard a testimony this week in life group from my dear friends, Sam and Nikki Sanchez, that just stirred me so much because they activated by faith something that God wanted to do in their life. See, they uh, have been living with family for a number of years and have had the dream and desire to uh, purchase their own home. And they, they have two kids. Uh, man, we love them to death. Beautiful, beautiful family. And they, so they've been wanting to get this, this uh, house. Uh, but you know, Dallas, housing market, Dallas, is like crazy, super challenging. And they've looked and looked and looked and tried and put in offers, and nothing came through. And so then they, they started to think, you know what? Maybe we're not supposed to be here in Garland and, and we just need to look further. And so they started looking far, further east. Crandall, Canton, Tyler, maybe we can find something out there. And in the middle of that process where they were seriously considering maybe we just need to move and that's how this is gonna happen. My wife and I initiated with them to pray about a co-leading life group with us in, in preparing to multiply our life group. And then we announced about the church plant and they, through that, they just said, this is what God has for us. We, got, we have to trust him. And so they prayed and they committed to being life group leaders and to being a part of a church plant where they don't have a house. <laughs> just saying, God, we, we're following you. We're stepping out in faith and we're gonna believe you. Well, then a matter of weeks, they have a family member, contact them who owns a house in Garland area where they were looking. And they said, hey, we have this rental house. We want to sell it. And we want you guys to have it. And, uh, and they said, well, you know, thank you for the thought. We know your house is like, that's just way beyond our, our looking range. And the, the family member said, no, 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 you don't understand. We want you to have it. You will pay what you can pay. The house is yours. And so now they have in process a house beyond what they could ask or imagine. And Sam is telling Guy's group this week with tears in his eyes, it's better. It's better than what we could have done on our own. But it came through activating in faith. And I'm telling you this, and this happens whenever God does more than we could ask or imagine, whether it's a financial blessing, whether it's a breakthrough in another way, you know what happens? You know what's the treasure? You know what the treasure is? is the encounter with God in the moment. That's the treasure. His houses come and go. Finances come and go. Things come and go. But he does not go. And a history gets built with God where I say, he's done more than I could ask or imagine. He's done more than I could ask or imagine. He's done more than I could ask or imagine. And he just keeps going. Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's writing the letter from prison. God can do more than we can ask or imagine. The worldly things that come and go, but God just somehow uses those little worldly things in our life that we desire and we need to show us that He is present, that He is faithful, that He hears, that we don't have to settle, that He has more, that He wants to bless us, that He's good, that He's awesome, that He's pre- that He sees us. We must ask and imagine and contend in prayer. And faith, believing in him. So, kind of as we near the end here, why does God want to do more than we could ask or imagine? Why? Why should we not settle for less than all Jesus had for us to die, uh, uh, all that Jesus died for us to have and walk in? And the next line in Paul's declaration has the clear answer. It says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's about his glory. It's about his glory. Sam and Nikki, they're excited about the house. They're really excited about the glory of God, the glory of God that's on display. It's not about our glory. It's not about seeking our glory. It's about his glory. Now, what is glory? And it's helpful for us to understand this Because if we don't understand what this word is, when we sing it and when we pray it and when we read about it, we don't know what we're talking about. Glory is the public display of God's holiness. It's the public display or visible manifestation making known of a person's beauty or attributes so that they get credit. So when we say the glory of God, we're speaking of his perfect character. His perfect nature and his ways being known, his love, his goodness, his presence, his mercy going public for all to see. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. His glory being displayed through us, his church, his sons and daughters. I call it the the palindrome of glory. Anybody know what a palindrome is? I was an English major in college, so I learned all the weird things. Okay, palindrome is a word that is spelled the same forwards and backwards, like the word race car, R-A-C-E-C-A-R, race car. It's a palindrome. What do I mean by palindrome of glory? I think we have a slide up there. Look at this. In this prayer, verse 16, Out of the riches of his glory, the display of his glory, he wants to strengthen you with Holy Spirit power in your inner being so that through that Holy Spirit power, he gets glory. Let me say it again glory, his glory to strengthen you with power in your inner being so that through that power, you and I display his glory. This is what Paul meant when he said in Romans 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. He gets the credit. It's not our glory. It's not our strength. It's not our wisdom. He takes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's who God is. He uses weakness to display strength. All we need to do is be available with faith. When we settle for less, friends, when we don't ask and imagine, when we settle for less than what Jesus has for us to to, uh, to walk in, not only do we rob ourselves of the exhilarating joy and pleasure to be found in him, we also rob God of the glory due his name. When we settle, we miss the exhilarating pleasure of God's glory being displayed through us. Pastor John Piper has coined You know, this phrase that has always stuck with me. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In the language of this sermon, God is glorified in us when we don't settle, but when we pursue with unhinged desire him in his purposes in his presence in what Jesus died for us to have and to walk in which is ultimately himself and it's throughout all generations parents god has called us to lead out in setting a tone for our family, and for future generations of the church, that we're gonna be people that don't settle. Do your kids see you settling? Do your friends, the future generations, see you settling as you get older and older, or do they see you leaning in more and more and more? pressing on to the heavenly call in Christ. Let's be those that press in and so that through all generations, he gets glory. And my family and my children and their children and their children to him be the glory. Now, considering all that we've we've heard and read this morning and received from God this morning, What's the appropriate response? And we're gonna respond here. Worship team's gonna come up. We're gonna have prayer available down at the front. And I, I wanna encourage you with this. Please hear me. This is really good news. You're not alone. If in any way you feel like, oh man, this is just overwhelming, you are not alone. You are not alone. In fact, you have a church family. A church family, a community of people that wanna help you respond and take steps. That's why we do life group is to help each other not settle, right? Right. To take steps this morning. So we've set aside time to respond and we're gonna have some time to respond. And we have our leaders, prayer and prophetic team will be available here at the front as well as online. If you are online right now, you can text 97, uh, to I need prayer. And people will be ready to pray with you. And we wanna pray with anyone who does not wanna settle In their life don't walk alone come receive prayer receive impartation a few specific areas that i just sense that we're to respond in this morning is a call to repent for desire being too weak as c.s lewis said for desire being eroded by time by crisis by weariness by whatever by sin Maybe you've been settling and God wants to rekindle desire for him this morning, hunger for him this morning, thirst for him this morning. Some have been relying on your own power and not God's power. Or maybe you've been seeking your own glory and not his glory. And God wants to realign your heart, your mind. He wants to renew it this morning wants to let you know that he he's put power within you. And I'm telling you, he will be glorified if you would just choose to be satisfied in him. Some need to receive an impartation of the spirit this morning. And all throughout the scriptures, we see people laying hands on one another in prayer and imparting the goodness of God through the Holy Spirit. Come, receive prayer. And then lastly, maybe this morning, You've never been born again. You've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have that power inside of you today because you don't have Him. And today, you want to take that first step to invite Him into your life and begin to follow Him. Come forward. The altar is open. Prayer and prophetic team, staff, leaders, y'all come on forward. Let's all stand as we respond to God this morning. Lord Jesus, come. The Spirit says come. Lord, come awaken desire in us this morning. Fan into flame the gift of God. Lord, we repent for desire being too weak. We repent for settling for less than all you died for us to have and walk in. We want you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Some of you, the Lord is prompting your heart, but right now you're facing a wall of pride. And right now, just see the Lord Jesus busting through the wall of pride? And when he busts through the wall of pride, there's humility. And the scripture says, That God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble, to those who will be willing to appear weak before men. He gives grace and power to do more than you could ask or imagine. And if that's you, come. Come. Lord, we respond to you. We need you.